You're listening to Bo and Dave's excellent podcast, Chicago's podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bo and Dave's show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bo and Dave Show. Buckle up, bitches. It's about to get juicy. I'm good to go and I'm going nowhere fast. Could be worse, it could be All right, episode number 66, Bill and Dave's Excellent Podcast. We've got one of our favorites on the phone. Uh, we've had him on before. We call him the director, phenom extraordinaire, Gene Fillets. Welcome back to the show, man. Thanks for coming on again. No worries. Thank you for having me. Anyone that introduces me like that, I'm, I'm more than happy. It's fine. Well, you know, <laughs> you know, the reason why we do that, and it's funny because uh, I, I think... I just think it's really cool that you have you're putting out movies in an era where it's hard to get movies made, right? And left and right, you're yeah. you're you're creating and and putting stuff out there, and and I would say arguably probably the the at least in our lifetime, I don't know that there's been a harder uh, a, a harder time to get movies made. Is that true? Yeah, I mean it's it's all relative, really. I mean. I came into to film a point where it was it was already you know kind of difficult. I mean, although I've worked in entertainment as a as a business all my life, and um, I've only been working in film itself exclusively for like the last ten years. So, in 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 that kind of time scale, it's it's not changed all that much. I mean, yeah, it's different, but it's it's not like it was like twenty years ago, thirty years ago, and certainly not like it was fifty years ago. So, it's it's definitely different, but it's still. I think it's still at a point where it's 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 manageable, you know, and we've got to adapt, you know. In, in working in the film industry, you 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 can't sit still for a moment, so you've got to be able to adapt to changes, whether they be financial or technological. There's there's always things that are changing, so never from one picture to the next are two things ever the same, because you know the rate of development in in so many different areas means that you know by the time you finish one it's already different by the time you get to the next one so it's always just a case of you know working around issues you know over the last 10 years obviously financial issues have been been a huge um factor in in in, certainly in independent film but in film in general you know we've got such a, a wider divide now of of films you know there there are much less um you know dramas and romantic comedies things like that they tend to be really high-end um studio pictures which at the moment are kind of dominated largely by superhero films and things um or you've got kind of low budget indies the the divide between the two is is growing and that's that's probably the biggest risk to film as an industry at the moment because it means that a lot of the really good projects you know like some really good dramas just aren't being made at the moment. And, you know, consider films like um, The Notebook and things. That would be nigh on impossible to make, you know, nowadays in the current climate. So it is difficult. It means that we've got to kind of choose projects slightly differently. But really that that's as much down to the filmmakers and, and you know, how how prepared we are to, to adapt. And really, if, if we want to stay working in it, we've got to adapt. And, and if it means needing to to wait until the right time for, for those other kind of projects, then, you know, we've got to wait. But it's still it's still a job that I regard as, like, the best in the world. So if it means that we're going to do slightly different projects for a while until things kind of work differently, then 
I, I can deal with that. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, I, and I want to just remind everyone, last time Gene was on, it was like early 2017, and uh, we were talking about Cane Hill, which was a, a movie that had uh, was just about to come out, and uh, um, you did some unique stuff with that. We talked about the using the drone in, in, uh, indoors. And, um, yeah, yeah. And, and I think since then, uh, Dark Ascension's come out as well, which was uh, a... a from what I thought, I thought it was like a completely different movie, and I, and I don't know if it's because the budget was higher or, um, but they were both really awesome. I think that's cool how you can go from like a Cane Hill to a Dark Ascension. Um, as a director, what, do, how do you approach those those type of projects differently? I mean, different projects. You, they're, they're kind of they're so different that you can't really connect, you know, one to the next unless unless you're specifically doing a follow-on, be it a sequel or something that's attached to the last one, they're so different. But also, it helps to do that. Certainly, I find that because you spend, you know, two, three years on a project, you know, be it something like Cane Hill or something like that. So by the end of it, you're actually, you've given it that kind of project all you can at that point. You know, not only are you utterly sick of it for a little while, <laughs> right. but, you know, you You've, you've given every bit of energy you've got, every bit of creativity. So you, you're spent. So you've got to be able to go into like a different direction. And for me, that always helps doing something very different, you know, from something like Cane Hill um, onto like my next project. They're, they're completely different. But, you know, at the same time, that's a good thing because, you know, if I had to come up with some, some horror ideas now, I'd be like, oh, no, oh, no, we used that already. And, you know, you, 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 you use every every trick in the book, you know, at the time you can. So it's good to be able to do something very different because, you know, not only does it keep it fresh, but it means that, you know, you get to use some things that you haven't used before, you know, some techniques that you couldn't really use in a horror, you can take into a different genre. So so I, I really like the, the variety. For me, it makes my job a lot easier. Um, it's not in any way, shape or form something that's difficult to do. It's actually what makes my job easier because if i had to keep doing the same kind of project one after the next i'd be worried that i'd run out of, of ideas right and, and and everything so so yeah for me I, I love that 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 range that you kind of have to do as a filmmaker but for me i say it makes everything easier and, and and i love it you know personally it just means that every time i do something it's something that's new it's something that, that i can get excited about and not kind of keep retreading the same kind of thing Right, right, and you had mentioned you got a, you got a new project that that uh, that you're working on. Can you tell us anything about it? Yeah, it's um, it's a project I'm really excited about, especially excited about because it's um, it's a genre that I've not really delved in much, uh, certainly as a director, um, in that it's 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 a purely action film, and um, and those are kind of difficult to do, certainly on an indie level, and and do them right. There's, there's an awful lot of of British action films that come out that are kind of low budget and, and not all that great. And, you know, so it, it's, it's an area of, of certainly of the UK film industry that I've, I've always been kind of cautious of, but action in general, you know, to be able to, to do something that's kind of got essences of like Die Hard and things like John Wick and things like that, that really excited me. So when this project came forward and, and the first thing I said is, okay, it needs to not be like a typical low budget British action film, because, you know, if so, I'm out at this point. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and I said, you know, it's got to be something that we can really, really push for and, and make sure the stories 
as good as it possibly can be and something that's that's that excites me on a on a day-to-day basis and that's you know the team did such a good job because ultimately that's what they've come up with so it's a yeah it's a, a british action film that's that's set in in modern day britain but it's the it's all to do with like the underground gangs and how one fixer almost ray donovan style nice um called sean brady has to do basically he's always putting out fires and he's, he's having to work for this guy that you know he absolutely has no respect for but he owes him and uh, and it gets to a point where once he's he's kind of repaid that that debt if you like he decides he wants to get out and for the sake of he, he's got a, a young kid um an ex-girlfriend and you know he just wants to have a normal life. He actually wants the life that the rest of us that go and watch action movies probably have. You know, he'd love that. He'd love to just be able to go and watch a movie. Right. But actually, he's in this world where, you know, he just can't, you, you, you can't get away from it that easy. And, you know, he decides that he's going to make a, a clean start, a fresh start for his, for his son and things like that. But it, it doesn't work. You know, the, the ones that, that he owes, basically, you know, he has too much on them. And, He's he's brilliant at his job, so they don't want to let him go. And of course, the problem is with with someone that that is in that kind of position. He wants out. They don't want to let him go. Right it means that there is a, the inevitable uh, struggle there, and it, it it happens at a time in which there's a, a changeover of power in one of the major gangs in London. So what actually happens is you, you've got all this pretty much fireworks show of everything kicking off all at once. And we've got a lot of martial arts in it, a, a kind of martial arts style that's very seldom seen in film. Um, it's certainly not the kind of 70s, um, you know, almost cheesy martial arts. <laughs> right. It's very, very realistic, gritty, fast, very, very fast paced. In fact, we had to do a lot of camera tests with it because it's actually so quick when you're, when you're watching it in person. It's incredible. But the problem is, is when we filmed that, we did our camera test because actually when you shoot it at normal film frame rates of 24 frames a second, you actually lose so much data, so much information because, you know, in the time it takes to do a certain move in 24 frames, it, it makes it look much slower than it actually is because, you know, you're only getting four frames for, for like an arm to move across. So it just kind of looks blurry and slow. Right. So we've actually had to, to come up with new ways and, and combining different ways and methods of being able to film it. So increasing the frame rate and increasing the shutter speed to really give it this kind of fast pace. And it's absolutely not after artificial at all. A lot of films, they'll ramp up the, the speed to kind of speed things up. We, what we've done is we've just been able to find a way to get that speed across on camera and already i'm so excited because it looks you know even just in a, in our pre-production tests so gritty and rough and real you know you, you see some of these these hits on camera and they actually kind of make you wince seeing them so kind of like oh god <laughs> and you know for me that's exciting as a director to be able to do something like that that actually is is really kind of cool and not done anywhere near as much as it could and should be so being able to to entwine those kind of moves and visuals into a really good story is something that you know as a director i'm 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 thrilled about i'm so excited to be working on this project that's awesome and what's it called again it's called violent lines violent lines yeah that's i saw that on uh cup socks uh website 
that that was coming yeah. out. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, so it's um, it's we're in pre-production of it at the moment, and uh, start shooting uh, in a few months' time. Um, the main unit itself, and most of it's going to be shot uh, in the UK. And um, some of it at Elstree Studios, where they shot a lot of Star Wars and, and lots of other things. Um, but also, we've we've one of the the first productions under a new uh, studio tendency to work at Cardington Studios, which where Christopher Nolan um, shot his Batman trilogy. Oh wow! And then he shot he shot uh, Inception there as well. So uh, we've been working closely with those because you know they've just got. I think it's the the biggest freestanding building certainly in Europe and one of the biggest in the world. And it's just, just gigantic. They're, they're old. They used to be um, like airship hangars, uh, like the 101 and, and Hindenburg. Side. Sure. Wow. Oh, and my God. So when, these, when they open the doors on these buildings, literally, I kid you not, clouds come inside from outside. <laughs> it's, they're just, it's incredible. You can't get a scale for how big it is until you, you can just about spot someone at the top. And you're just like, it just kind of blows your mind. So to have that much space to play with as a filmmaker is just brilliant. You know, all, all we do for a living is is play, but to be able to give in a playground like that is just like just it's just brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> now, as 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 a fan of film, you know, yeah. is it is it a little, do you have to kind of pinch yourself? Like, I can't believe I'm filming. Uh, uh, I'm going to be filming a movie here where you know they they shot some of Star Wars or where Christopher Nolan shot some of the Batman movies, it's like, that's got to, is yeah. it hard to fanboy out a little bit? <laughs> it's, there's this kind of middle ground where kind of, you become, there is an amount of, of becoming immune to it. So you do kind of, there's the business side, which just like, yeah, okay, it's, it's a practical space that we're going to use to, to create this, this film of ours. But then it's, it's, it's when you spot something that you can recognize, that's when it kind of becomes real. So, you know, you've, you've got, if, if you're going onto a normal empty soundstage, you know, you can go onto sound stages where, where they shot any number of like big Hollywood movies and things like that. But when it's empty and with nothing to, to attach it to, it's, it's like, you know, you can't really get all that excited because just you've got to visualize it in your head and nothing else. Sure, sure. But then when you go, when you go to a set that's got something that's still standing, so, so like whether you go to, uh, at Universal Studios uh, in LA, they've still got some of the original, like 1928 Phantom of the Opera set. That's exciting because then you know that's important in movie history. Right. So you're able to actually see that still there. That's exciting. And like when we were at Cardington, um, we last there a couple of weeks ago, and the the bits in all three Batman films where they shot a lot of the Batcave and the Narrows in Gotham, they're all it's all actually part of the design of the structure itself they, they incorporated that into the production design of the film so when you're walking down the sides of this building you kind of you realize that you're in you're in gotham at that point you know <laughs> wow. and we, we we started talking to the to the owner of the site and at that moment we're like i recognize this you know from batman at that point you know that's when the the the, the fanboy side totally comes out no matter how much you try and control it you right know? <laughs> Nickel and Hyde just become entwined, and that's it at that point. And that's when they started showing us pictures of um, when they built literally the entirety of Gotham inside this this gigantic aircraft hangar. And you know, when you're able to see it and compare it to where you're stood, then it becomes you know something. Yeah, you know, no matter how hard you try and hide that 
fanboy side, it, it comes out. That's awesome. Now there, there's, you know, the internet's a fun thing, Gene. And I gotta go. I got a couple projects here that I, I've heard that you were attached to, or I read that you may be working on. Um, but I wonder if you can let me know if I just if I just say the project. Let me know if there's any truth that you have anything going with that. Okay. All right. It's like a true or false. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Dark Ascension Two. I've heard that that's in the works. Is that true? Uh, it is. Um, that's that's pretty much as much as I can say at sure. this point. In that they, they were written as a, as a trilogy of films, and all three scripts are in place. Um, so. Assuming that all goes well, two would two would be made and three would follow. But it, again, it entirely depends on on how well you know they get received and things like that. But yes, in a sure. nutshell, that's true. Sure. How about uh, and this one? I really got excited about because I think this is uh, definitely one one of. Uh, one of these actors that, like, even just as a as a kid growing up, I I, I knew who this was. Uh, are you working on a Dudley project, Dudley Moore? I am. Yes. Um, I, I, it's, it's probably the the project that I'm I'm most excited about because it there's so much there's so much behind it in terms of there is a lot of pressure. There's an awful lot of pressure, but at the same time, you know, it's being able to do something. That, that you know going into it is going to be something pretty special. You often don't get that with film. You know, you you want every project to be brilliant. But when you go into a project knowing that you've got kind of so much support and 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 possibilities of success from it is is just something brilliant. So, it, yeah, it's, it's a full biopic of Dudley Moore, um, obviously widely, widely known as, as an actor, not as much as a musician, but but actually, music meant more to him in his life than than his acting or his or his comedy ever did. And towards the end of his life, it's it's what really kind of kept him going was was his passion for music. And so, w- with the film, which is just entitled Dudley, um, we're kind of we're seeing that retrospectively. So so it's all done from the perspective of of himself, you know, towards the end of his life. Um, recalling events in his life and things like that and going back to them and being able to see flashbacks of, you know, of, of events in his life and movies that he'd filmed. And, you know, for me, that in itself is so exciting to be able to do that because not only do we get to cover someone that I, you know, have so much respect for, someone that was, that was such a brilliant all-round entertainer, as well as someone that I grew up watching his movies, but someone that, we've got so much support already from from people that knew Dudley himself that are involved in this and, and helping to make sure that we get it absolutely right. And for me, that's so exciting. You know, it's, it's, we get to cover so many different time periods and, and really get to to delve into aspects of his life. Obviously, the parts that, that everybody knows because there's, there's parts that people are going to want to see and kind of see behind the scenes of how they were. But also bits and aspects of Dudley's life that that people might not necessarily know, and you know that for me is 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 a real important thing to be able to get across, and you know to to really kind of expand people's views and opinions because you know a lot of the time, especially comedy actors, can often be just thought of as you know comedy actors. You know they're they're people that just play the part, it could be funny, and and that's it. But actually, you know, like everyone, that they're, they're 
they're multi-dimensional characters, they're people, you know. And, and it was a lot like that after Robin Williams died, I found. Yeah. In that you tended to think of Robin Williams and you think of, you know, Robin Williams, the entertainer, you know, Mrs. Doubtfire, Aladdin. But it wasn't really until the, because of, you know, the tragic circumstances in which he died, in that you realise, you know, they have problems, of course, you know, like everyone else, and, and they're not necessarily happy and upbeat all the time. They've got issues just like everyone else, and that doesn't that doesn't take anything away from them. For, for me, that, that humanises them, and I, I can relate to them more as a person because we all go through ups and downs and, and tough times and good times. So to, you, you know, be able to, to see these as people that you can relate to and in so many ways find them inspiring... Because, you know, Dudley was like so many others that, that didn't come from an awful lot. And, you know, to be able to do what he did, you know, with with his career, with his life, the the marks that he left on the industry, you know, and the world, that's that's just something that's that's so inspiring to everyone. And, you know, to be able to to be directing that for me is just, you know, it's just it really is without sounding corny, it really is a dream come true to be able to get a project like that. Oh yeah, well he he uh you know he was a guy I remember just being a kid and and that and and in that that and Arthur I mean that's got to be one of the greatest comedic performances of all time Definitely. it's got to be up there and 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 he was, I think he was nominated for an Oscar for that for that role and, and I don't know the there's yeah. it's not very often that somebody gets nominated for an Oscar in what's kind of technically a comedy you know no um, literally that's it that they are few and far between and you know that. It's testament to how well he's able to perform. You know, if you look at so many of his different roles, you know, even even some of the not so great films, he is often still particularly good within them because he just gives them his all. You know, and and you can you can you can see that when you watch them, and it's it's one of those things that's just such a shame that you know you kind of look back and feel they were somewhat underused because you can never tell someone's worth often at the time. You know, if, if someone could have picked up Dudley Moore, you know, 10, 15 years sooner and got another, you know, 10, 15 years with him, then, you know, the world would be, would be an even better place. But you just don't know at the time. And it's one of those where you look back and you think, God, you know, that's someone that gave so much to every performance. And, you know, they don't come around very often, people like that. And, and it's, it's often when they're gone that you realize just how rare those kind of people are. That's, that's so true. Um, an, another one here, and this, is a, and this, again, speaks to just the range. So we were just talking about uh, Violent Lines, which is obviously, you know, in, an action movie, right? And then you have the mm-hmm, biopic, yeah. the Dudley biopic. Um, I was reading about this project, uh, The Beast of Jersey, which looks, yeah. it sounds absolutely horrifying. Is there any truth? Is this is this uh, something you're working on as well? It is. It's something that I'm, I'm, that's very, very close to me because um, it's all based on true events. There's, there's, there's only a very few number of things within it that are actually adapted, and it's just really for, for pacing within the story. But everything that happens within it is entirely true. Um, they happened on the small island of Jersey, which is in the um, on the Channel Islands, um, in between England and France. Now, I grew up on the island next to it, um, an island called Guernsey. And so I was aware of these events growing up, you know. 
And so I've always known about them. But it's it's really, when becoming an adult, I realised that just the gravity of how horrifying these events are, but the fact of as of the circumstances is how they happened as well. So what happened in the um, started in the sixties and right throughout the seventies. Um, this serial um, sex offender um, would take kids from their beds and would um, abuse them in horrifying ways, and then he would take them back and put them back in their beds afterwards. Oh, my God. And for me, that's just it's the worst thing because actually what happens then is, you know, the kids the next morning say stuff, and literally it took years for parents to actually start believing their kids because, you know, if, if you heard that, you'd be like, yeah, yeah all right, well, yeah. you know, you had a bad dream. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so actually it was horrifying. And he would go in in this, awful mask you may have seen the, the teaser poster for the film yeah that looking at actual, it right now <laughs> yeah that is the actual mask that <sighs> is, is an actual police image Jesus. of the mask that he used and it's it's horrifying in its in itself and he would go in and he had these like nail wristlets so so leather bound wristlets that had nails poking out of them and uh, on the on the tops of his shoulders point of those was so that if anyone ever tried to grab him most people would usually try and grab someone by the wrists or by the shoulders so he wore these nailed wristlets as as armor essentially to stop anyone getting him Jeez. now the really horrible thing is about this is that it went on for over 10 years on this very small island you know it's, it's only, only a, a dozen or so miles square wow and for 10 years this this awful person terrorized the island and, you know, got away with it for so long. And, you know, the police were, were they weren't as, as well established as they are now. It was it was local island policing at its worst, basically. And sure. it, it was 12 individual policemen um, working for their own parish with no um, communication between each other or anything like that. So it made things even more difficult because it took so much longer for you know, communication start flowing and, and things like that. So it meant this guy just got away with it for so long. And the um, it's, it's not really a spoiler because the, the information is out there about everything that happened. There's lots of books about it and documentaries. So it's not a spoiler. But eventually he did get caught. And he got caught. The, the very police officer that had spent over a decade on the case, who had pretty much got driven himself crazy with, you know, being taunted by this this attacker for, for years and years saying, you know, you'll, you'll never catch me and things like that. You know, he, he'd driven himself mad, you know, trying to crack the case. And uh, so it was just one night he was, he was on a routine um, traffic light patrol with another officer and this one car jumped the, uh, the red light. And so they, they kind of gave chase a little bit, not expecting an awful lot, you know, probably just, uh, they expected it to be, you know, just a, a uh, a holiday maker that was a bit drunk or whatever. Sure. So they stopped the guy and he was, it turned out he was a local. So, you know, they give him a bit of a slap on the wrist, but being local policing in the seventies, there was no police station to take them to. There was just the overnight cell. So they took him to the overnight cell and, and, you know, with the intention of processing him the next morning, which is what they did. So they put him in the cell. Then the next morning, that same officer w went back to work and he needed to move, um, the guy who they caught jumping in a red light, they needed to move his car because they'd left it where it was and, you know, the next morning they needed to move it. Right. And it was only when 
this that police officer got in the car, you know, just a carrier bag lying behind the back seat. And for whatever reason, he looked in that carrier bag and it was that mask. Oh, geez. And so after 10 years of searching for this guy, he found him just on, on, the, on the off chance of catching him jumping a red light and just happened to see that carrier bag that just happened to have the stuff in it. It's just, it was just so wow. Wow. lucky, fortunate that he managed to, to, to find him that way. Then it took, it was another few years of investigations and trials and things like that before, you know, he was eventually convicted. But it's just such a, a shocking true story. It, it, it always makes me think of um, Zodiac, the like San Francisco Zodiac. Yeah. Murders. Yeah. It's and whilst it's not, it's not murders, but it, it, it's not really any better. You know, it wouldn't, it, it's not one of those things that like, well, he didn't kill anybody. It's like, well, actually, it's almost worse because of what he did do. Yeah, it's worse. And you then those I, people have to live with that. Yeah, it's worse. Absolutely. That's it. And, and a lot of those people are still alive today. So that's another one of my reasons for making sure, like, this story needs no embellishment whatsoever. But we want to make sure that it's not, you know, Hollywoodized in any way whatsoever. Because, you know, that's, that's the thing that, that happens so much. It's something that we actually kind of took, took the Michael out of a little bit in, at the beginning of, of Cane Hill because we have this kind of Hollywood version scene that's being reshot of our film because it's, you know, it tends to, to kind of gloss everything and make it a little bit more exciting. But this story doesn't need any of that. And, you know, coming from the islands myself, if there's anyone that's going to tell that story, I want to be the one to tell it, if not the first. Right. You know, just to be able to to do it in a respectful way and, you know, in, in a way that's, that's true because having that connection, you know, people I knew know people that it happened to. And, you know, when, when you've got that kind of closeness to it, you want to make sure you do it right because, you know, otherwise it's, it's easy to think, oh, you know, we'll just add this little bit in here or add this bit there. And, you know, it's, it's easy to do that. You know, as, as a filmmaker, you know, we're used to telling stories. But to be able to, to have something that is, you know, like this, where we can't and don't really want to change any of it at all because it's so horrible as it is. And it's not, it's not by any stretch of the imagination a, a horror film. It's horrifying the events that happen within it, but it is very much like a crime thriller. Yeah. It's about you know, how they eventually caught the guy. The, the last thing we want to do is kind of ever sell it as a horror movie because, you know, that's when it can kind of borderline become disrespectful. Right. It really is about, you know, the investigation and really, you know, all, all the things that happened since then, that that case alone changed the way that policing in the whole British Isles worked because it was still very kind of compartmentalised at that point and different regions, you know, didn't have anything to do with any, anyone else, anywhere else. But that case was what kind of made central processing become a thing in policing in the UK. And so it's, it's, it's very important in crime history in general, um, those events. So it's, yeah, again, it's something that's just, it's exciting as a, as a filmmaker to be able to, to go to those places, you know, however horrible they may be, and be able to tell those, those events. Well, and and I think that this that that it's important work. Both both this one and Dudley, really. I mean, even though they're two totally different things, I think it's important because yeah. you do a project like this, and you do it in that way where you, where it's respectful and it's it's factual. I think it brings to light, you know, <clears throat> hey, this really happened. Let's not forget about that that there that 
that this kind yeah. of stuff happens. And, you know, even with Dudley, let's Absolutely. let's not forget about his body of work because as time goes on, it's easy to maybe not forget, but I think sometimes you're like, oh yeah, Dudley Moore, I for, you know, I forgot about him, but yeah but absolutely you know it's it's keeping that that going and absolutely you know they are whilst they're very different they are very they're things that that do have a lot of pressure with on them to make sure that that we get them right and but i'm 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 relishing that you know it's something i'm excited about it doesn't mean that after doing both of those i'm not going to go off and do something crazy because (laughs) actually you know doing doing an absolute you know Balls to the wall comedy. After that, seems like the best idea in the world. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. those projects, you know, bring me something like trains, planes, and automobiles. I am there. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so vi- so so violent lines. What uh, do you have a timeline? When do you when do you think that that's going to come out? When do you, when you're planning on releasing that one? It's, well, it'll be ready for for delivery to to distribute to distributors around the world and towards the end of next year 2019 it still sounds so futuristic saying right. 2019 <laughs> <you know? laughs> but it is next year you know and so it's, it's it will be ready for distributors then obviously whenever they choose to release it they may choose to hold it over until early the next year um if it suits their schedules or things like that but you know that's not really down to us as filmmakers as long as we deliver it on time sure but yeah so so really i mean we're working it's it's full time the whole team on that now um, I've got a great team that I'm working with, um, with Lee McGough, the, uh, the co-writer, lead actor and choreographer, and Catherine Grayson, who's the producer that's just, it's, it's so refreshing to be working with, with a producer that is, is giving so much back as well. It's, it's nice for me, having produced for so long, to be able to kind of let go a little bit and, and trust that a producer is, is doing the right thing because it's it's easy to you know when you've been doing a role for so long to it's hard to let go so it's it's nice to to be able to just be able to concentrate on on directing on this one that's so, awesome uh, so being able to work with those guys and and everyone else that's on the project is is so it's so cool you know it's it's one of those jobs where you know every day you wake up and and really are grateful you know for for what we do because it's there aren't many people that get to do it. And, you know, there are so many within the industry that do kind of come a bit, you know, it's the, 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 the excitement wears off. Um, I'm still lucky enough that every day I wake up excited. I wake up every night, every single night and have notes beside my bed that I, I, I'm like, Oh no, this would make a great idea. (laughs) I'm excited about it enough to wake me up, you know, and, and, and I love that. You know, the day when that stops is the day that I'd like to think that I'd be like, okay, you know, my work here is done. Right. Leave it to someone else. <laughs> but, but for as long as I feel like this, you know, I, I, I love it. I can't think of anything else better to do. The, 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 the extremes in terms of the, the, the things we get to do, the places we get to go, the people we get to work with. It's, it's just the best job in the world. So for as long as I, I can do it and I'm excited to do it, I want to continue to. Well, you do, you do amazing work. And, and I want to make sure people... Give Gene a follow if you're not already. It's at Gene Fillets on on Twitter and uh, GeneFillets.com. And uh, obviously, uh, Cupsog Pictures, you can go there and, and uh, you know, they've got the, the the teaser poster for Violet Lines and they've got the information for Kane Hill. It's all it's all right there. A lot of the movies that Gene's done. Um, it's really cool work. And, it, and, it's, and, and again, it's cool to see somebody in our age group 
you know, I mean, you know, Scorsese's had his time. Let's let let's let some of the young bucks go out there and 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 get some notoriety. I I, I love it. I love the fact that you're uh, you're you're always doing something new and innovative. And um, I mean, you're just creating, constantly creating. I mean, we just talked about three or four totally different projects that aren't even that aren't yeah. like each other. You know, this isn't. Uh, um, you know, Casino and Goodfellas, and I'm not crapping on yeah. I'm not crapping on Scorsese. Don't get me wrong; I mean, those are phenomenal films. But I just love I love seeing range. That's that's awesome. Range and creativity. That's so cool. So definitely, uh, I'd love to say that it's it, you know just a, a a gift that I was born with. But actually, I think that's the harder one is to to keep doing things like that and keep them fresh. As I said earlier, you know, for for me, it's being able to have that range which which keeps it exciting. So. Yeah, we, we need the Scorsese's in the world, but I like to think we need the ones that are a bit like me. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, that sounds like such an egotistical thing to say, but nah, you know what I mean. Yeah, oh yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's good for the industry, man. And uh, you know, I think uh, everybody. I think you know, we got to make sure uh, you got to support f- filmmakers. That's that's the thing. You know, that we we were talking about it right off the get go that. You know the industry is you know different than it was 50 years ago. You don't have these uh, yeah. mo- movie uh, these picture companies throwing money at filmmakers, so it's it's harder. So what we can do as just everyday people is support these films and go see them and and get them on VOD and 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 support the people making them. I think it's awesome. Definitely, yeah, that's it. I mean, it 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 is a difficult industry you know to sell into now you know especially because with with the way the industry's gone with you know high high value you know 400 million dollar budget now you know we're up to with some superhero films it's something that independent film can't compete against at that level so we have to go elsewhere and try and instead of telling big explosive cg laden stories we've got to try and tell stories which you know are, are lower key are no less good stories. So all I hope is that audiences, you know, continue to give us filmmakers a chance and keep watching those kind of stories and films that that, that give you something that, that may not be huge explosions and, and planets falling out of the sky, but are still really entertaining stories to, to, to watch. And, and, yeah, as long as people keep watching those, We'll keep, we'll keep making them. Excellent. Well, Gene, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. And, uh, yeah, again, Gene Filets on Twitter no and uh, com. And uh, stay in touch, man. We're going to look out for it. Violent Lines. Uh, keep an eye out, and uh, we'll do the same. So, uh, Gene, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you very much. Take care, and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll look forward to having you on and talk about the next one. Definitely. Thanks very much. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. Please be sure to subscribe and rate us. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Bill and Dave Show or Facebook.com forward slash The Bill and Dave Show.